missing dimension, the church in Sardis. So we had a bit of issues with the printing. You know, I st I'm still unboxing stuff at home. The printer is not working. Lisa's printer wasn't working at home. The church printer wasn't working. Nothing was working. So let's see how we go about that. Okay. Um, one of our daughters came to me a few months ago and said to me, if there is one place you would like to go in this world, one, what would be that place? I say, Patmos. I want to see where revelation was received. And that's it. And after a month, they came with a surprise, all of them, including Salil, and they said, for your 25th wedding anniversary, we're going to Patmos, and we're paying it between us. I say, well, that's really kind of you. And uh, they planned everything, and were here and there, it was so good. Praise the Lord, because this is our 25th wedding anniversary. Praise It's not a lot, but uh, it's good. We went to Patmos, and... Uh, we went in the cave, St. John's Cave. I won't expand on that because I will prepare a teaching on all that when I complete the seven churches. We still have three left, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When we finish that, I will come back to historical stuff and give you quite a few insights about that. But as I found myself, uh, we found ourselves within the, the cave and... Uh, Hundreds of people coming from across the world. Churches from America coming together. Because they are studying the book of Revelation. They put money together. Let's go and see where these things were written. We saw the same in Philippi. Churches coming from America. Organizing them. Let's go and understand this story. Where Paul was in prison. People are doing things. For edification. And... Uh, I stand in that cave. I did not know that someone has taken a picture of me. And uh, after that, the family said to me, we've never seen your face like that. That's the first time we see that. I said, show me that picture. We've never seen you with that kind of radiance and happiness. You see, that was coming from my heart. It was a confirmation to them that I was serious. When I say to them, if there's one place I want to visit is Patmos, they saw it without me making any effort. So I felt that this is what I've been teaching. So it is true. And I was there. And there were people there. And I start saying, from this place, the Lord revealed the Antichrist. People were looking at me like that. And then I say, give me the Bible. And I read the Bible from that very place. And I look the room where he was sleeping when he had the revelation. And I look at the other room where he slept when he was dying. And I say, God. But I look at the place. I say, wow. What have we done of Christianity? Well, we've come up with something we call Christianity. Our own ideas in particular in the West. You know, we've come up with our own ideas and we're quite happy with that. We've departed so far from the reality. And then I realized that the apostles were not what we think they are. You know, sometimes we think of the apostles as very miserable. These were highly respected people. 
For about 15 years, John influenced the whole city with what? One teaching. The love of God. Now begin to understand why he was called the, the love, love, apostle, love, apostle, etc. Whole ministry. Let's leave that for another time. What I want to say is that these things are true. I met someone in 2002. He was the... Um, world president of the world development movement in St. Albans. And he said to me, oh, now we can't believe in revelation because that is God. He was under the Roman Empire. He was a metaphor. I said, what's happening with this man? Go and say that at Patmos. People will say you are a mad person. Everything bears his name. Every library He's called Saint John. He's called Saint John the teacher. Everywhere you turn, it's John, John, John. How can you? His place is there. Where he baptized people is there. You can't deny that. I'm saying these things so that your faith be in God. These things are true. Remember, it is John who is saying what we're telling you are not cunningly devised. We saw him. We were there. When we heard a voice coming from heaven, we touched him. We were there. And in fact, at the cross, it was to John that the Lord said, that's your man. Take care of my man. He was there. And then he wrote these things. Whenever I've challenged Catholic with this particular verse here, there's no way out. They get stuck. When I quote First John 5, 13. Both Catholics and Calvinists. They're very challenged with this. I have written these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. And by knowing that you may continue to believe. So those who are saved continue to believe. As a trade. I think Paul said they were with us but they were not of us. Because if they were of us, they wouldn't have withdrawn themselves. That's what the Bible says. You see, when you interpret the Bible, there are difficult passages. Even Peter recognizes that there are difficult passages. How do you go around explaining or understanding difficult passages? Okay, some passages, when they stand alone, you take them alone, it's impossible to understand them. What do you do? You search the Bible and you see the wealth of other Bible verses that will explain you that verse. That's how it works. If you ignore that and you cling on to one Bible verse, you will become heretic. That's what is happening. But some verses do not need two interpretations. For God so loved the world that he gave his own, that whoever. You don't need, there's no other way to explain that. If you come and you say, whoever means uh, in each class of people, you know, in this class, whoever, in this class, whoever, you're forcing your ideas on the Bible. It's not true. The will of God is that everybody should be saved. That's the will of God. Whoever says it, however erudite they may think they are, we just go simply by the Bible. It's not true. It's not true. As simple as that. Sorry, don't be offended for this. Uh, I don't like electronic from the pulpit. I've just told you that the printer is not working. So this morning I wrote a commentary 
on uh, Revelation 3, verse 4 to 5, and sent it to Lisa, but our printers are playing up with us. So fortunately, we had it on email, hence this electronic here. Alors, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. And to the angel of the church of Sardis writes, This thing says he who has seven spirit of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, previously we addressed difficult passages. We spoke about the blotting out of the name in the book of life. We spoke about the seven spirits, so that's out of the way. We can move on with other applications. What was the missing dimension here? The missing dimension here was that the work, the service they were giving unto the Lord was not perfect. By the Lord's standards. But in verse 1, it says, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Very bad position to be in. To think that I am awake when from God's perspective I'm dead. To think that we are a vibrant church, we're doing pretty well, and be seen as dead by God. That's a very, very bad position to be in. But they couldn't see that. They had a reputation. They had a name. A reputable name from outside Certainly from their own understanding of what they were doing as well. But from God's perspective, they were dead. I call that living dead church. You hear a lot about qualification these days, dynamic church, dynamic church. You hear a lot of names, but that's nothing. From God's perspective. 
it's very important that we receive the Lord's admonition. That we should not become complacent. It's a very dangerous position to be in. I shared yesterday something. You see, when we were children in primary school, we learned or we said that one minus two is impossible because you cannot take away two bananas when there is only one. And when we grow up a little bit, we knew that, oh, one minus two is minus one. And then we grow a little bit and we say, what is square root of minus four? We say, that's impossible. There's no square root of a negative number. And we look a little bit around and say, oh, complex number. So you can factor minus four to become four times minus one and minus one equals I square. Oh, so you can have four I square square roots and that gives you two I. Sorry. <laughs> Why am I going with all this? I'm trying to tell you that you ma- we making a mistake if we think that God can get something wrong. You have been working with God for some years. You've learned things. God has taught you things. But now, you've been 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, 2 years working with the Lord. The Lord has taught you things and some of the things you did not understand at that time. You get to this point, the Lord wants to teach you more things for your world. You say, no, you don't want it because we used to do like this 10 years ago. You won't grow. That was the teaching at that time. So you build on, on that and you grow. Listen what God wants to teach you. You say, I've never done like that. That's not the way we've been doing things. You want to go back to primary school? When you're growing with God and you want to teach you what you don't know, that means I know everything. I have no need for teaching. That's what it means. Past victories are good, but Paul said, back, I'm looking forward, forward. Thank you, Lord, for past victory, for what you've taught me. Thank you very much. But now, teach me, I want to grow. That is a trap. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Paul was asking this question. Who has bewitched you? Who? You started so well. You were running well. You see, it's about running. You were running well with the Lord. You suffered persecution because of the name of the Lord. You did not miss prayer meeting. You were fasting once a week, once a month, etc. You did all those things. You had a diary for your spiritual activities. You didn't waste a week without calling a brother to encourage. But now you're indifferent. When they say to you someone is in hospital, it means nothing to you. But you want the whole world to stop when you are in hospital. You want the church to stop because you are sick. 
but you don't care about other people being sick. But you want everyone else to do what you want to do. That's not good. We have to learn. Let me give you a personal secret of mine. It's really a personal secret, I'm telling you. You know, when I became a Christian, I was very nervous as giving a hug to people. I did not like it. I did not like it. You know, I will come like this at a very good distance. But I came in England, that's what people like. There is a hug. People give a hug. I said, this hug about the thing, I have to move from my position. And I learn, I learn, I learn, I learn. But I wasn't doing it before. I was very nervous about that. At a very good distance. There are things we need to let go in life. Otherwise we won't grow. This is the way I've been doing. This, that's your ways of doing things. I was in a church where someone came and tapped me on the shoulder and said, oh, I'm a bit annoyed with, uh, you know, when we clap our hand. I say, it's your problem. It's my hand. I respect yours, respect mine. It's human right. A lady came to me and said, oh, she was explaining me how to pray. I said, okay, that's fine. She said to me, um, she was explaining me what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. She says praying in the name of Jesus means being in Christ. That, that's pray in the name of Jesus. She gave me a lot of explanation. I said, thank you very much. I'm very edified. But I will still say in the name of Jesus. For people to say amen. Because you're giving me your interpretation, but the Bible says, if you ask in my name, okay? The Bible says, in my name, they will cast out demons, okay? So you come with your philosophy, and let's see how you cast the first demons, in which name. You see, all these things are going on all over the place, you know, and they carry a weight of wisdom. They are not. They're just making things complicated. Let's just be simple and go by what is there. Someone say, why do we close our eyes? I say, where is it written in the Bible? I say, nowhere, but we inherit it in the church. It seems to work for me. You keep your eyes open and see where you go with your prayer. Etc., etc. We can go on. They are things we've inherited. They work. They are fine. Someone accused the church and said, oh, why, people, why do people have to be baptized before they can take the Holy Supper? Is, isn't that an inheritance from Catholicism? I say, I don't know, but we just need to recognize them in the local church. The church of Sardis was a dead church, but with a very good reputation. Ironically, I call that a living dead church. It was a church of lifeless professional faith. It went through formal routines, but had no real spiritual life flow in it. Danger. Verses 2 to 3. The church was called to renew its zeal for God. And to strengthen the little things they had left with, which was also dying out, danger. 
The remedy to that spiritual condition was not wishful thinking, new ideas, further planning. It was to, one, remember, two, repent, three, awake from spiritual sleep. That's the only remedy to come back from spiritual slumbering. Remember how you received Christ. Remember your first steps. Remember the love of the people who brought you to Christ. Remember the perseverance of the forefathers in faith. Then repent. Then awake and start, restart again with God moving forward. Do not be complacent. Do not say, that's how I am. No. Come to God. It's not by might nor by strength. It's by God's spirit. Come to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me anew with your spirit. I pray, I say, Lord, you know we love you, but certainly not how we ought to. Do you know why I pray like that? Because I come to realize that we try to impress the Lord with our words. The Lord is not impressed with that. Remember what I told you the other day? Imagine a husband 25 times in a day. Wherever he looks at his wife, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Trust me. The third time in a day, the wife will say, can you behave please? But that's what we do with God. Lord, I love you. Lord, the Lord knows that is not true. He knows that is not true. But we keep on continuing. If your wife is your spouse will be embarrassed, how embarrassed do you think God will be with someone who doesn't love him? Keep on saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. If you love me, keep my commandment. That's the test. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you really love me? Yes, I've just said it. Peter, do you love oh, Lord, you know everything. Ha <laughs> ha. You got it. That's what I mean. We become a bit more mature in the way we pray. The kind of things we say to God. You know, we think God is impressed with words. No. God looks directly to the heart. What's happening in the heart? Are we called to love God with our heart? Yes. Are we called to love God wholeheartedly? Yes. English is good. Wholeheartedly. We don't have that in French. Love God with all your being. Love God embarrassingly. Provoke other people to jealousy. Let them say, why well, are you doing a little bit too much? It's my life. It's not your life. If I do too much, let God judge me. Love God disturbingly. Love God in a way that someone looks at you and says, what is there? What is, what is she after that I can't see? But if you make it a very cheap thing, then everybody thinks it's discounted faith. Nobody will take God seriously. Love God with all your heart. And give him all in you to God. Because he gave all from God for us radical cross, I call that. The church is the living body of Christ. 
being built up to be a spiritual dwelling temple of the Holy Spirit, of, 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 of the Spirit of God. In verse 4, even though the church was dead or dying, there was a remnant, a remnant. That is, a few names that had not defied the garment or aligned with the prevailing pagan worship and, and, and national values. <laughs> national values of the time. The word of God transcends everything. Anything that comes in conflict with the word of God, the word of God must have preeminence. And that includes Africans' traditions. There is a lot to say that. Let me skip everything I have here and just say one, one or two things. I seem to be trapped with the church in Sardis. seemed to never finish it. It became even worse as I visited Patmos. I'm desperate to finish this teaching and move to some and move to Pharisees versus tax collector. Okay. <sighs> there is a difference between maternity and cemetery. You see, maternity. There is life. If you ever visited maternity, I'm telling you, the noise of the babies is everywhere. You know there is life there. If you ever visited a cemetery, it's the most ordered place in the world. Flowers, colors, Avenues. Now look at the visitors. Even those who will not put a suit in the church, that's them. Respect to the dead. What does Christ say? Nicely painted, full of rotten bones. But that's what we revere because, you know, the respect of the dead, etc. In maternity, there is noise, life. We don't want a dead church. We want a living church. We don't want a church that is really ordered, but there is nothing, there's no life in it. We don't want that. Full of bones, yet flowers and ordered and liturgy, and we say we feel great. This is how we've been doing things. We don't want that. We want the life of Christ. Maternity where people are born again. People who have been delivered by Christ. Christ living in us. We don't want cemetery. Okay. Let, let me read for you my, my commentary I wrote this morning. I think it's safe. Oh, that, oh, that, that can wait. I'm going to circulate that on WhatsApp or by email. That's fine. Let's go to something I want to address here. Um, 
this is a big heretical thing you find in particular um, in places like uh, Africa. Um, you find this heresy. And I explained that the reason for that is the background. You see, here in the West, when we were in Africa, people thought that there's no witch in Europe. People think, you know, everything is nice, you know, everything is uh, okay. There, there are big witches here. Big witches. Sophisticated witchcraft is here. Sometimes they hide it with nice names, you know, uh, alternative medicine, you know, nice, less scary names, you know. But it's witchcraft and sorcery. But in Africa, in our traditions, in all Africa, they teach like Dead people are not dead. They watch over the community. Therefore, they can help resolve issues such as sickness, poverty, you know, uh, wicked attacks, etc. They can help resolve. But in order for them to do that, you need in a village a specific person who has the spiritual ability to communicate with the dead ancestors and to find answers for you. They are called witch doctors. When Christianity came, many people left those practices, including my grandfather. Left. He was about 80. He became a Christian. My grandmother prayed four hours every day and prayed for us and for the descendants to become Christians. And she sang, Abide with me in the local language. And I heard that. As they saw that many people were leaving the camp of the devil to come to Christ, they came up with something to keep them in bondage. False pastors. They are actually witch doctors. They just replaced to put the name of Jesus to make it less scary. But they are witch doctors. They are not true pastors. And look at the damage they've caused in the church in Africa now. Africans. Treat God as if he was witchcraft. Just visit a few churches and see around you. You hear people, even on the streets, I've heard some in the bus. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the blood. I say, what is that? The blood of Jesus become a mantra? Witchcraft. The principle of witchcraft, they've just transposed in the church and they're quite happy with that. Now listen to what I'm going to say here. Probably politically incorrect. Bear with me if you shock. Pray for the Lord to explain what I'm going to say now. The blood of Jesus without Jesus himself is something else. Can I say that again? 
If you go invoking the blood of Jesus, 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 the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, it has no value than if Jesus himself is not honored, the author who shed his blood for that. Unfortunately, people have been trapped in that. People are healing other people. The blood of Jesus. Where in the Bible have you seen that? Where? You see, this thing seems good to hear. The blood of Jesus. The blood of, it's not in the Bible. The Bible says, hear the things that will follow those who believe in. In my name, they will lay hand on the sick and they will be in my name. Do you understand? So these things are practiced in churches and people are just accepting them. The blood of Jesus. You know, we find someone sitting on their own bedroom with an empty cup. What are you doing? I'm sick. I'm drinking the blood of Jesus. You see, that's witchcraft now. I can see that you're very interested. But we're going to stop here and come back to Sardis again. Because we need to clarify the issue of the blood of Jesus. And understand what the blood of Jesus is. It's not witchcraft. And my hope and prayer is that if that's how you pray, you see that now. And you pray to Jesus Christ. And you seek Jesus Christ himself. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The blood of Jesus was shed to take away the sins of the world. Primary function of the blood of Jesus. And that happened 2,000 years ago with an eternity implication for all the believers. Once for all, the Bible says. There's not a fountain of blood somewhere in a pot somewhere where you need to tap all the time and, and, and you take that and you put on your on your door to avoid this witch and everything. It's not biblical. Let's stop that. We can go all over the place with that. But we're going to stop that. And come back to Sardis because we want to address the issue of those who had washed their garment in the blood of Christ and whitened them in the blood of Christ. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for your patience. I was a bit under pressure because it's 1-5. Uh, we started at 15, so we're rushing up with the time. Let's pray. Lord, we bless you and we say thank you. We commit your people unto your hands. And we pray that, Lord, you continue to teach us your ways and to build your church. Blessed be your name, Lord, for you know the way. And as we depart, Lord, for the coming week, we pray that you be with us. Grant us your victory and teach us your ways. We pray that you will expound these things into our heart by the Holy Spirit, that we should close ranks as we see uh, the day drawing near. We give you praise and we give you glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. And Lord, we want to pray for Harry. We pray that you be with him. Raise him up, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you will heal his foot. Raise him up, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for his steadfastness with you. We pray that, Lord, you will bestow your mercy on him. 
We thank you, Lord, for what the doctors are doing in helping him, Lord. We pray that you will make him whole. In the name of Jesus, we commit, Lord, his time in the hospital unto your hand. That, Lord, you will relieve him, Lord, in particular from the swelling of the foot. That, Lord, he will be able, Lord, to uh, move again freely and uh, be giving you glory as he always does. We give you praise and give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Have a blessed week. Amen.